All right, Central family. Welcome, everybody. Want to say a big shout out and a big welcome to each of our Central Family locations. It's good to have you guys, Central Summerlin and Central Sunrise Mountain, Central Southern Highlands, and our Central Kingman family. We love you guys. It's going to be a great Christmas. Thanks for being with us. Also, I want to do a special shout out to those who are watching online. It's good to have you, as well as those who are joining us in different prison facilities around the country in our partnership with God Behind Bars. All right, um, well, you are in for a real treat this weekend. I am so uh, honored. You know, everybody needs spiritual leaders in their lives. Everybody, I believe, needs a pastor. And for many decades, I had a pastor in my life um, who was instrumental and key in me becoming a pastor and going on the spiritual journey, and uh, he passed away. And I've often kind of been in a place over the last several years of like, kind of who is my pastor now? You know, my pastor for all these decades passed away. It's sort of who is my pastor? And I really feel like in a lot of ways, God has given me a handful of pastors that are not only peers and friends, but in many ways together have become what my pastor was for me. I know they pray for me. I know they pray for the central family. They give me wisdom. They give me insight. And um, they're, they're brothers. And one of those individuals, I am so honored because he's going to be here in just a moment speaking with you. It's Pastor Mac Richard. And so I want you to know in a moment, you're not only going to hear from a great man of integrity, a pastor for over 30 years, you're also about to hear from somebody that I consider like a pastor and a dear friend in my own life. Uh, he's an incredible leader. He and his wife, Julie, started Lake Hills Church um, in Austin, Texas, and uh, it's an amazing church community making a huge difference. Uh, Pastor Mac leads a ministry uh, called Spur Leadership that does leadership training and coaching uh, for different people around the country. Um, his amazing wife, Julie, is um, the leader of a ministry called Fearless Mom. So all of you moms out there, uh, fearlessmom.com. You just need to remember that when you're having a parenting meltdown, when you want to go lock yourself in the bathroom and never come out. Par uh, fearlessmom.com. It's an incredible uh, ministry, and you'll want to make sure to check that out. Uh, Mac's written an amazing book uh, that you may want to check out. Uh, I would encourage you to. It's called The Trust Protocol, and it's really about leadership, both in your family as well as in your business, your organization, and just how you navigate your life. Trust is so important, and the trust protocol is such a powerful resource, so make sure to check that out. But right now, I want to ask you to give a huge, warm, loving, big central welcome across our locations for Pastor Mac Richard. What's up? <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thank you. What is up, Central Church? My goodness. How are you in this incredible, incredible facility and across all of these locations? Would you do me a favor and give it up? I hope you understand that what you're a part of is so rare, so rare. What, what, what God is doing through the central family across the country and the world does not happen on every street corner. So I need you to give it up for your pastors, Judd and Lori Wilhite, and everything that they do. My goodness, wow, I'm so excited. This is the first time I've ever preached on a runway. This, I feel good, 
I already feel good. We are so, so excited and just honored does not do justice to how my bride, Julie, and I feel to get to be with you all this weekend and count you as family and friends. We don't know each other well yet, but I need you to understand, we love you. We love you because we know who leads you. We know these people inside and out, on stage and off stage, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you see is what you get. And that is a rare, rare thing. So thank y'all so much. You know, it's really fun. Also, our, our son Joe graduated college from Clemson University. Joe graduated from Clemson all four years that he was at Clemson. They went to the college football finals. As a graduate of the University of Texas, I am trying to be happy for my son. But when he graduated and, and sensed that God was calling him into ministry, we were so, so excited and grateful. We believe so much in what's going on around here that our son, Joe, is actually interning here at Central right now, and we are so grateful for what he's getting. It's just incredible. And we love telling people back in Austin, go, our son's in interning at an incredible church in Las Vegas. <laughs> what? That's, that's just always fun. I wanna begin our time together by asking you a question. I'm gonna ask you just by a show of hands, keeping in mind that this is family, so this is confidential. Your answers will never be shared or used against you. But by a show of hands, how many of you in the room know that sometimes a meal can be a spiritual experience? Can I just see a show of hands? Thank you, hands are going up all over the room. The buses will wait, yes. You know, we were actually in New Orleans, Louisiana as a family a few years ago when Clemson was gonna be playing in one of the New Year's Day Bowls. They were playing the Evil Empire from Alabama. And the night before the game, I, I said I wouldn't do this. I had a meal that changed my life. It was absolutely ridiculous. We were at a restaurant in the French Quarter known as K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen. I think we have a picture of the sign maybe of K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen. Now, K. Paul's was started by Chef Paul Prudhomme. You may have seen him on TV back in the day or use his spices from the grocery store. But Chef Paul, who passed away a few years ago, he was known for originating and really popularizing a form of Cajun cooking known as blackened dishes, blackened redfish, blackened beef tenderloin, blackened stuffed pork chop, on and on and on it goes. And when we were at dinner this night, I think we've got another picture of our server who was here with my in-laws, Joe and Kathy. Our server right there who's got the necklace on, she was unbelievable. She had been at K-Paul's over 20 years, and she was going around the table taking our orders this night. And I was looking over the menu and I could not decide what to order. Have you ever had that kind of dilemma when you get there and it's like, it all looks good, but you know that would be a little bit extreme to order everything. And as she came around to my side of the table, she, she leaned down on me and she kind of had her glasses down on her nose a little bit and she goes, in this real thick Cajun accent, she goes, what you gonna have, darling? And I said, well, you're the professional. I can't decide between the blackened redfish or the blackened beef tenderloin. What would you recommend? And she said the following. She goes, oh, baby, you ain't got to decide. You at K. Paul's. 
Do the both. We're going to give you the surf and the turf. Do the both. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and with passion and enthusiasm at all the locations, tell your neighbor, do the both. Now, you might not have expected to preach a sermon when you came to church this weekend, but I want you to know that you just preached a sermon because the reality is that God has created every single one of us to live out a spiritual surf and turf, a spiritual surf and turf in our lives where we do to both in a radical way that radically alters the trajectory, not only of our lives, but the lives of every single person in our sphere of influence. This, this surf and turf, this do to both, is really at the heart of the trust protocol that Judd so graciously mentioned just a second ago, but it's anchored not in a meal in the Louisiana French Quarter, but it's anchored in the immutable, eternal word of God. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the Bible says the following things. We're gonna have it on the screen here. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Toward love and good deeds. That, that in this life, in this thing called the Christian faith, we live out the personality, the character of God through our lives in this spiritual serpent turf of love and good deeds. We, we don't just have to choose, oh, I love you, or I'm gonna do what I said I would do. We're gonna do to both. We're, we're going to live this out regularly. And, and it's, it's living this out that changes everything. I believe with everything that I have that trust makes everything better. Every marriage is better. Every parent-child relationship, every dating relationship is better if you can trust. How many of you ever dated somebody that you couldn't trust? Could I see a show of hands in church? Woo! Listen, if you're dating somebody that you can't trust, can I just give you a spiritual word of encouragement? Run. Run, run, run. Because let me tell you something. How many of you know who you're married? Ain't nothing gonna happen on the other side of the altar that's gonna make it better. Would somebody help me preach? But trust makes everything better. It's, the, it's that spiritual surf and turf. And I believe that the family is the most important stage where this plays out. The family in general, but especially in marriage. I wonder how many men in the room, how many of you know that it's important that you communicate to your wife how much you love your wife? Can I see a show of hands just ever so quickly? Okay, men, you know what I'm talking about. You know what my wife Julie will do every now and then? She'll say something like this. She'll say, tell me three things that you love about me and they can't be the last three. And let me just tell you what, you best not hesitate. You know what I'm talking about? And, and words of affirmation are great for Julie, but I, I learned something a long time ago. You have to learn to communicate love in a way that resonates with the person you love. You know, 
my wife is, she's not a big gift girl. She, she's not really into it. I could show up every single night when I come home from work with, with jewels and candy and whatever you want to think. She, she would appreciate the effort, but she'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. But you know, I learned very early in our marriage, especially when our kids were a lot younger, that if I would help out with the kids, if, if I would, like maybe after dinner, if I'd scoop up the kids and take them downstairs and get them bathed and ready for bed and tuck them in and read them a story and give her some mommy time alone upstairs. And, and yeah, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. So if I would do those kind of things for her, I was set for days. If you know what I'm saying, and I think you do. I'm just saying, for me, I learned in our home that it was acts of service. That was how Julie heard and felt and saw, I love you. In the same way, you have to figure out how you're gonna communicate that in a way that resonates with the people around you. And trust is the bedrock of every single relationship. But just since we're so close now, can't we be honest with each other that it's hard work? It is hard work consistently communicating and cultivating trust. We live in a really, really hard world. Some of you right now are thinking to yourselves like, okay, listen, preacher boy, I, I get it. I know it's in the Bible. Let us encourage one another love and good deeds and, and we'll be all trusty. But, but some of you are thinking right now, man, I, I live in a dog-eat-dog, -dog, alpha predator environment. If I walk around being all trusty all the time, people are gonna eat my lunch. And I, and I get it, I understand the world can be a really, really hard, difficult place sometimes. But I wanna ask you just to suspend your disbelief for a second and, and just, is it at least possible that maybe, just maybe, everybody say maybe. 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 Trust is the most valuable strategic weapon in our arsenal. If just maybe you could, you could flip the perceived disadvantages of vulnerability, of transparency, of, of openness, and use that to be an incredible strategic advantage over time. I wanna ask you, have you does anybody in the room know the name Marcelo Garcia. Can I just see a show of hands? Anybody know the name? We've got like three in a room full of millions. <laughs> Marcelo Garcia. Do you know, Judd, do you know Marcelo Garcia? Well, Marcelo Garcia is by pretty much unanimous consensus the most skilled practitioner in the world of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I know. I just did that so fast a lot of you didn't even see it. Well, you're not gonna believe this. This guy's still alive and is a phenomenal, I mean, it's just incredible to watch him do his thing. About two years ago, I had the opportunity to meet Marcelo Garcia. I was in New York City with a good friend of mine and we had a meeting and after the meeting, my friend is really into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he said, I wanna go to Marcelo's dojo and just see what they do and how they do that. And I said, great, we'll go. Well, we walked in and they were getting ready for another class when all of a sudden this kind of holy hush fell on the room and the man himself, Marcelo Garcia, the best in the world at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, 
walked in. And somebody told me, he goes, these two guys from Texas just walked in and they just wanted to see what was going on. He came over to us, could not have been more gracious. He was so humble. If I was the best in the world at anything, I would not be this nice. I mean, he was just unbelievable. Oh, thank you so much for coming. We are so honored to have you by your presence in here. You're from Texas. Thank you so much for being. I'm going, Scott, he's so sweet. But there was still something in the back of my head, a little antenna in my brain going, don't forget, he could kill you. <laughs> but what I learned that day is that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a martial art that is founded upon the principle that a, a smaller, lighter fighter can flip and leverage the perceived advantages of someone bigger and stronger and faster and use those perceived advantages against the opponent to subdue them in the figure four leg lock or whatever it is that they do in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I wanna to propose to you this weekend that trust is relational, spiritual, professional, family jiu-jitsu. Trust is the thing that you can use to flip perceived disadvantages like vulnerability and, and openness and, and being willing to, to put yourself out there and use those and flip them to be an incredible advantage in any environment in the world. And it's not just in our families. It's not just in our businesses. It's literally in our world. You and I live in a world that is dying for people to be people of trust. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor right now with, with passion and a smile on your face, shalom. Shalom. Now, shalom is a good, good Hebrew word. And we think that, you know, shalom gets used kind of like aloha or, you know, it's kind of hello, goodbye, whatever. But the word shalom in, in the Hebrew world and mindset, the word shalom means peace. Not only peace, but it means incredible wholeness. It means prosperity on the way to wholeness. So when you say shalom to somebody, you're wishing, wishing God's greatest blessings on their lives. Shalom goes to the heart of integrity. Integrity and being a person of integrity. Now, I'm not a big numbers guy. I, I was a words guy. I was, some of you are kind of math and science people. Some of us are kind of English and history people. I'm on the English and history side. I think the math and science people are awesome. I'm so glad that God populated the world with them, and I hope you get the counseling that you need, but it's, it is a completely foreign concept to me. But one thing I remember from math in ninth grade is the word integer. Y'all remember the word integer? It, it means a whole number. It's not a fraction. It is a whole number. It's not accidental that the same word that gives us the word integer for a whole number is connected to the word for integrity. To be a man or a woman or a student of integrity means that you are wholly and completely yourself, who God created you to be. And you're not cutting corners morally or ethically or honestly. You are living your fullest life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what this is all about. That's what you get every time you walk into a central location. My wife and I, man, amen. There's that hope. 
that when, when I think about Central, the Central Church family, I think about hope. I, I think about life. I think about the fact that it all goes back to Jesus. It is always about Jesus. All roads lead to Jesus, and it is in him that we find the fullest life imaginable, overflowing and abundant. That's what he's created us for. And so to be that kind of a person where you are bringing that along, you are living out that shalom integrity. This is what Jesus modeled for us. This is what Jesus has called us to as his followers. He calls us to something no less than relentless. Say relentless. Relentless, intentional integrity. Being deliberate about it. Not you, you'll know this. Nobody just kind of drifts into integrity. Nobody just kind of, ooh, I am really honest. <laughs> You know, how many of you remember the first lie that you ever told, or the first lie that you ever got in trouble for? Can I see a show of hands? I do. I got in trouble when I was about four years old. I have two, two little brothers that are two years younger than me. My mom and dad had given me a picture book Bible. I grew up in a good home. Well, I had taken a red felt tip magic marker and drawn and scribbled all through this Bible. And just remember, you should never add anything to the word of God. My mom brought the Bible to me and she said, Mac, do you know how this happened? And at four years old, I was like, I got this. If I can pin this on my brothers, I skate. And so I said, I haven't seen that. I bet my brothers did that. My mom said, Mac, your brothers are not yet two years old. They can't hold a pen. <laughs> well, that's an interesting development. <laughs> I still remember getting in trouble for that lie. But I also know the benefits and the value of choosing integrity, choosing to be that kind of a person that people can trust. Listen, Julie and I have been married blissfully for 28 years. 28 years, yay God and yay Julie. Let me tell you something, you don't do 28 years accidentally. Somebody help me preach. But I've noticed with Julie to have no secrets, hiding nothing, not telling her one thing but doing another, that kind of relentless, intentional integrity just makes everything better. When Julie can trust me, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So some of you, you got that. That was the laugh of recognition from about four of you. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus doesn't just call us to intentional integrity. He gives us three tools that I wanna to mention to you, that I wanna put in your toolbox. The first tool for intentional integrity is to process scripture. To process scripture. I don't know if it's a reflection on my academic career. I have never liked the term Bible study. I don't like to say Bible study. 
I just, I'm, I would rather chew glass than study anything. But let me show you something, what the Bible says, look, look at this about scripture. The Bible says that all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So, so scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. In the original language, it's, it's theonoustos. It means God breathed it. That, that means that supernaturally, God communicated to very normal human beings like you and me. His intent, his word, his heart, his mind. And therefore, because it's God's, it is miraculous. It is supernatural. And it is there to show us how to live this thing called life. And so as we take it in, we process it. Think about, think about taking in scripture like spiritual metabolism. You know how when you eat food, you metabolize that food. You, you, you take that protein in, you take those veggies, you take all of that stuff in and that becomes a part of who you are. That is exactly what God intends for scripture, that we are to process it. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is there for us to process and to, to spiritually metabolize his word. The second tool that God gives us, we've got to prioritize prayer. We have got to prioritize prayer. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and again, with passion and enthusiasm, tell him, get your prey on. Get your prey on, man. And I think prayer may be the most underutilized tool in the Christian arsenal. It is there for the taking. And you don't have to carve out two hours a day like Martin Luther. You, you can pray all the time. You can pray anywhere, anytime, because God in Jesus, God is accessible. And so, so we're to prioritize that. Look at this promise from the heart of God. Look at what it says. Psalm 138, verse three, it says, as soon as I pray, as soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. As soon as I pray. Our daughter Emily is a really funny person. She's 25 years old now. She lives on her own. She has her own condo. She buys her own food. It is awesome. And she is one of my favorite people in the world. But when Emily calls me or texts me, if I don't respond immediately, you know, because sometimes stuff's going on. Sometimes I leave my phone in another room or whatever, and when I go to pick it up, if Emily has called me and I haven't responded, there's this text, invariably. Why do you hate me? I'm like, baby, come on. I, you know I'd take a bullet for you. I just didn't have my phone on me, or I was in a meeting, or... You know, sometimes I try to make her feel bad. I go, Emily, I would have, but I was praying. But the Bible says, as soon as I pray, you answer me. You let that prayer up. You, you, you let that go. Tell God what's on your heart. Can I tell you a secret? This, this, is, this is just for you. He already knows. He already knows what's on your heart. He wants us to pray not to check something off of our to-do list, 
He wants us to pray because he loves you. Because he loves you. He, God loves you and he is for you. For somebody here, that may be a radical, revolutionary concept to know that God not only loves you, he actually likes you. So lift that prayer up. As soon as you pray it, you know, you know he answers it. So we process scripture, we prioritize prayer. Number three, pursue community. Pursue it. Don't, don't just wait for it to drop in your lap, but pursue community. Can I tell you something? Everybody watching, everybody in this room, you're already doing it. Give your neighbor a high five like you mean it. By virtue of the fact that you are the church, you're pursuing community. You have chosen to chase after, to make it happen. But we can always do better. There's always a next step that we can take. This weekend across all the campuses, baptism is happening. Here, here's something that, that, that is, baptism is absolutely unbelievable at, at building community. Because when you are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you are participating in community with Jesus himself. Think about the fact that Jesus was baptized. He was baptized as an example. Jesus didn't need it. He was God's son, whether he got baptized or not. But, but when you get baptized, the rest of the church is reminded, this is why we do what we do. Yes, God meets us right where we are, and it is always personal, but it is never intended to be private. It is always to be done in the context of community. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron. Man, we love that. That's good. Here's what's great, though. I love this because people are like, yeah, it's iron sharpens iron. You, you tell them, preacher boy. You go. Yes, amen. Here's the thing that we forget about iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron requires a lot of friction. Sparks will fly. There is, there is actually grinding that happens when iron sharpens iron. So just be aware of the fact that when you amen iron sharpening iron, you're saying, I'm gonna pursue that. I'm gonna chase that. That means that we're gonna, we're gonna pursue this thing called accountability. Our son Joe was playing football back in Texas. And you know, football in Texas, that's, that's serious business. That's, that's religion. His ninth grade year, he was playing quarterback, and they had a preseason scrimmage right before the regular season started, and the morning after this preseason scrimmage, they had a film session back at the high school, and because this was his first year of high school, it was the first time they'd had film on the game, and I saw him later on that afternoon at a, at a men's event our church was doing. I said, Joe, how did practice and the game film go this morning? He goes, Dad, it was terrible. As I never expected Joe to say that. Every day's a good day for Joe. He's in a good mood. He goes, it was terrible. I said, why? He goes, Dad, coach spent 20 minutes going over every mistake that I made last night. I was like, well, welcome to the big time, Hoss. I mean, that, that's just, that's what happens. I said, but Joe, and without even thinking about it, I was just answering him as a dad. I said, Joe, if you can learn to take critique of your performance but not take it personally, you're gonna be ahead of about 90% of the world 
And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I thought about Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. Who is the iron in your life? Who, is the, who are the people around you that'll tell you not just what you want to hear, but sometimes what you need to hear? Can I tell you something? The greatest accountability in my life is my wife, Julie. Julie is, listen, she is a phenomenal communicator, preacher, an incredible mother. I've never heard of anybody better, but she will flat out tell me when I'm wrong. Sometimes more, don't be applauding that. I'm kidding, we do applaud that, we do. Because let me tell you something, your boy needs it. I need that kind of accountability. So we have to pursue that community. We have, to, we have to go after it and embrace it and welcome it into our lives. This, this community, this, this community, this family of faith that is known as the church, the body of Christ, the, the body of Christ, this is something that really, really matters. This is, this is not just something that we kind of do on the side if we have time or unless we get a better offer. This is, this is a gift that God has given to us, that he, that he calls us into. And here's the thing about the body of Christ and trust. Trust in the body of Christ works every single time. Every time. Every time we choose to engage in trusting relationship and community, God honors and blesses that. And I wanna show you why that is. In the book of John, chapter one, the Bible says, a, makes a profound statement about Jesus and who he is. In John chapter one, the Bible says this. Look at this. The word became flesh. That's Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Y'all know that's Christmas, right? That's when Jesus abandoned heaven and came to earth. He made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. If you look at grace and truth, I believe with everything I have that that perfectly mirrors love and good deeds. Grace and truth. It means backing up what we say with what we do. It means being people of integrity. It means being the body of Christ. That Jesus left heaven to become one of us, to walk on this earth. And he did so for 33 years before going to a Roman cross and dying the most painful death that the world has ever known. But... Everybody say, but. But he rose again. He got up from the grave. And when he got up from the grave, he got up from that grave bodily, resurrected in human form with the promise of new life. The promise of new life for anyone who would follow him. And then something happened about 40 days later. 40 days after he rose from the grave, he gathered his closest followers on a hill outside of Jerusalem immediately before returning to heaven, and he said, now it's your turn. Now I want you to go and make disciples. Now you 
are the body of Christ. You are the hands and the feet and the voice of God in a lost and hurting world. Go give hope. Go do this that you have seen me do. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where you are in your journey or where you are in a relationship with God, but I do know this. You are in a position to receive the promise and the gift of new life, to, to step into the hope that only Jesus can offer, to step into that and to follow him no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. He loves you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he likes you. He is for you. And so no matter where you are, I want to ask everyone if you would to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment, if you've never chosen to follow Jesus, to trust Jesus, then on behalf of Pastor Judd and the Central family, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Just to pray a prayer of beginning, a prayer of commitment. Just right where you are, silently, something like this, in your own words, just silently talk to God and say, Jesus, I need you. I will trust you. I will trust you more than I trust myself. I confess my sin to you. And Jesus, I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have. And so, Jesus, I confess my sin to you, holding none of it back in order to claim and receive your forgiveness and your grace in all of its amazing beauty. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Would you join me as we thank God for this time and give it up for our central campus pastors. <laughs>